Welcome to our weekly, mean weekly Wednesday night shir. Dil Nishmas Nachmiyakim and Svihirsh and Batshevachana Shalom Basibot Vachayim. Tonight's year, of course, Pashas Mishpatim the Shabbos. But this Shabbos is so much more fuller than just Pashas Mishpatim. This Shabbos is Shabbos Mevarachim Achedish Chedish Adar. This Shabbos is Pashas Golim. This Shabbos is Machar Chedish. So there's a lot to do, a lot to talk about, a lot to work with. Pash Mishpatim in its own right. Is Ve'ela Mishpatim, wherever it says Ela, it excludes what is going on till now. When it says Ve'ela, it's a continuation what it said before Ma Elu Ma just like those were said by Sinai so too everything in this parasha was said by Sinai um Pashkolim, as we mentioned before, is, one, is the first of the four Pashis. Um, the four Pashis are Pashkolim, Zacher, Pora, and Chedish. They don't always come out at the same time. Shkolim is the Shabbos before Rishchedish Adar, or Shabbos Rishchedish Adar. If Rish Chedish other comes on Shabbos, then that Shabbos would be Shabbos Pashash Kolim. <coughs> Sorry. If, however, as is this year, Shabbos Mevarchim of Chedish other, and Rish Chedish is on Sunday and Monday, therefore Shkolim is Shabbos before Rish Chedish. We take out two Sifri Teda, the first Sifri Teda, we read Pasha Mishpatim, seven Aliyas. <coughs> Sorry, I'm from Maftir. We'll be reading Mirza Hashem, Pasha Shkolim, from Pasha Kisisa. The Haft Teda will be Pasha Shkolim, as will be in connection with the Maftir. The End of the Haftarah, after Haftarah is recited, then we recite two Psukim from Haftarah's Machar Chedish. First and last Psukim.
Pash Mishpatim is a combination of many, many, many different mitzvahs. And starting, of course, with the first of the mitzvahs of if a person buys an Evid Ivri, which we'll soon discuss, then going into all different types of mitzvahs, including kosher and a little bit of holiday, etc., It basically is discussing the mitzvahs as we know them as Ben Adam Lachaveleh between man and his fellow man. The mitzvahs, how a person needs to behave amongst mankind. But interesting, as we said before, it's a continuation from Pasha's Yisrael, from the Ten Commandments, from the mitzvahs that we received on Sinai. But yet, as we said before, the first of the mitzvahs mentioned, the first law, is a thief who was sold into slavery because he hadn't repaid what he stole. A thief stole something, and unfortunately, in majority, vast majority of the times, the thief stole something because he never had nothing to eat. If unfortunate, if just he stole for other reasons, it's even worse. The story told of the Hafla. He was sitting Friday night and studying Torah, and his candelabra was like at the end of the table. And a thief came in to the window and wanted to steal the candelabras. So the Aflo said, they're Hefker. Which means I'm taking off my ownership. I'm reneging my ownership of these candlesticks. And they belong to anybody. So anyone who wants to pick them up, pick them up, and thereby not causing this person to be a thief. There are many different halachas as far as that goes. We see in Sekhti Sukkah as well. Luluv HaGezel's entire period talking about it. If a person stole the Luluv, do we say that since the owner, as he saw his Luluv is stolen, and knows there's very, very small chance of ever finding it or getting it back, being able to give proper signs, simonim, <coughs> that it was his, therefore the owner usually is Miyayish, he immediately gives up ownership. He, rele- he, rel- he relinquishes his ownership. And thereby the question becomes, if it now becomes the owner, the, the one that's holding it now is the owner, the rightful owner. The problem with the stealing, with going in, <laughs> told this story probably who knows how many times, that the thief that breaks into a house at night and he's tiptoeing around with his little lamp, 
little flashlight and he hears the voice call out, God is watching. And he freezes. And he says, what a message. God is watching. But then he thinks for a moment and he says, you know what? How foolish. I'm a thief by nature. I'm a thief by trade. What do I care? All of a sudden, God is watching. And he keeps going. And again, he hears that little ominous voice, God is watching. And he gets frustrated. And he turns on the light to see who's telling him this. Who's saying that? And he sees a parrot in a cage. And the parrot says, me, Moses. And the man says, what fool calls his parrot Moses? And the parrot says, the same fool they call his Rottweiler, God. A um, little message for the, uh, the thief that he did not appreciate. When a person starts off with the laws of a thief... Really, the Torah is telling the Jews the reality which they're about to face after receiving the Torah. The basis of Torah, the basis of doing mitzvahs, is a concept known as Kabbalah's oil. We submit ourselves to God's kingship and authority. We have become subservient to God. Once a person accepts that and agrees to be a subject of God and to serve Him and obey His commands, the person now has connected with God and Taylor. On Har Sinai itself, at Mount Sinai, the Jews were shown that God is the only God. What does Mitzvah say? And there's no other God. So what happens when they're shown this physically? Then obviously, the foundation of what's called free-willed acceptance of God and His sovereignty, the whole foundation can't be cemented. It can't be made, it can't be solidified. After all, the person was under this awesome, heavenly, godly revelation. So naturally, the person under such influence says, Nasevanishma. I will do, I will hear. I submit myself to God. What happens once the revelation ended? And God's presence was no longer so apparent and so vibrant. Then what happens?
with this same freedom, whether or not I want to submit to God's authority or not, when I, well, that I want to, sorry, that I'd like to commit or submit myself to God's authority can become the same concept of rejection. Therefore, the first thing the Tata tells us after Matan Tata is what happens to the thief. If you're keeping score at home, the Gemara Baba Kama, Ayin Tes Amid Beis, 79, side 2, teaches that a thief who steals quietly, covertly, is worse than a robber who openly steals on the street. The robber comes in front of a person and doesn't care. The person sees him, God sees him, he's coming to get what he wants. The other one, unfortunately, the thief, he knows what he's doing is wrong and doesn't want to be caught. But still in all, he says, God is watching. (laughs) Another one of the famous children's videos. God is watching. The fact that God is watching him. If he saw that and felt that the entire time, he was under the watchful eye of God, he obviously would not do this. So therefore, the thief is testimony to the fact that post Martin Taylor and the fact that the Almighty was no longer present in his eyes and his feelings, he succumbs to a different type of existence. He succumbs to a different type of behavior. Therefore, tells the Tata, by warning us the consequences of this thievery, which takes place immediately after the revelation of Sinai, the Tata wants to make us aware of the reality of what happens after Sinai, And that the truth is out in the open. And you don't feel automatically compelled to live by Tata. What's the downside of this freedom that you have? One can become so low that they can become a thief. What's the upside? You can truly now accept God's kingship on your own volition, on your own desire. So much more powerful it is. And what happens? The slave says the tater works for six years. Sirifka, give me a cup of cold water, please. On the seventh year, he goes out free. The tater asks a question. Now, this is a very interesting way of wording it. Because the tailor shouldn't ask it as a question. 
Tzedah should say what has to happen. If the person doesn't leave, person decides he's not going to go out, person decides he wants to stay, Taylor says though in a question form. If the servant says double ocean, I love my master, thank you. The servant says, I love my master. And because he was married, not, because he was working for a, a, as a slave, the master was allowed to give him a wife. As he, but this wife and children that he has with his wife need to stay with the master. The only way he can stay continue living with her is if he stays a slave. And therefore he says, I love my master as Ishti Vez Bonai and my wife and children. He will not go out free. Tells us the Teda. We take him to Bezden. And the master takes him to Bezden and there they pierce his ear with an awl. And he serves Le'elam. meaning forever, which means, of course, till the Jubilee, the 50th year, the Yevil. Why? Why pierce the ear? Keeps him there for 50 years. The Gimbara, if you're keeping score at home in Kedushin, Chavbez, Amid Bez, 22, side 2, explains to us why the ear versus any other organ of the body, any other limb of the body, because the ear... The Almighty says, This ear which heard my voice on Sinai, on Har Sinai, when I proclaimed, Ki libene Yisrael avadim avadai. For me, for Bnei Yisrael, to me are slaves. And they're not servants to anyone else. And yet, after hearing this from the, the Almighty Himself, on Har Sinai, says this man, I want to remain a slave to a man, to someone else. Because you heard with this ear, you're not obeying what you heard, says the Yamada, the ear is pierced. Let's focus, my friends, on a very interesting phenomenon. We know that when the Teda was given on Sinai, there were many different miracles that took place. Amongst the miracles was that they were able to see what is usually heard and heard what is usually seen. Meaning to say that they saw the words of God. If they saw the words of God, 
and they saw what went down on Har Sinai. So, my friends, the question begs to ask itself: Why the ear and not the eyes? They too witnessed what happened. So in that case, according to way we translating the Gemara, we're saying that Taylor is disappointed. Taylor is disappointed with this person, the Abish is disappointed with this person, that he chose to have a regular master of flesh and blood rather than the master of the universe, the Almighty. And therefore, making this drastic measure of piercing his ear. But the truth is that's not where the basis of the disappointment is. It's not the fact that he's less spiritually sensitive when he heard than when he heard the voice on Sinai. The disappointment is not living up to his current potential. Based on what he heard on Sinai. And that's the difference, what he saw and what he heard. For after the sounding of the Ten Commandments, this amazing, awesome, godly revelation, it ceased. After the Ten Commandments, this revelation was no longer there. So the Jew can no longer be expected to revel in what he saw, in this seeing. Because this level of seeing was only that moment when Taylor was given. What's the reason that the Almighty takes away and conceals this revelation from us? The reason, the purpose behind it is to allow the Jews to be able to accept the yoke of God on their own. Our ability to listen and to hear and to choose God's subjects, although the revelation is concealed. So, what are we held accountable for after Matantera? If we fail to hear and to recognize that the Jews are servants to God and not servants to servants. Tata, and particularly here in this parsha, has many different messages for us. Oh, I didn't hear from this fellow. They tell Malzatov to Boris and Elena the birth, Lena of the birth of their daughter. She was born on Sunday. However. giving a shout out, so hopefully he'll listen to the shir. I tell him that somewhere in the middle of the shir we wish him all the The Tata 
tells us that it's not only a story of the past. And Bifrat, the mitzvahs that we discuss, especially these mitzvahs, discussed in this week's parasha, have an effect, a direct effect on the person at the moment and have a direct effect on the person in the future. But not only in the future, in their lifetime, but when a person needs to re-evaluate, when a person needs to reconcile certain things that he lacked in his lifetime, there is the concept of the reincarnation, says the Teva. And there's a famous story of the Baal Shem HaKadosh. The Holy Baal Shem Tov. One day had a visitor. A random man. A wealthy fellow. Who shows up at the doorstep of the Baal Shem Tov with his grandos, fancy wagon, his pelt, his nice walking stick. And comes into the Basemadesh of the Bashemtav and requests an audience with the Basham Akadish. Well, a short while later, he's granted the the Yichidus, his private audience. And he finds himself sitting across from the Bashemtav. And he's staring and staring and staring at the Bashemtav. And he goes, eh. Eh? Eh? He's disappointed. What are you disappointed in? He says, I came all the way here to Mezhabush to see what they are saying about the Holy Bashem. I sit here in front of you. I don't see it. So, thanks, but no thanks. I'll be on my way. Bashanta says, I understand, you must be in a rush. So do me a favor. So, sure. Allow me to tell you a story. Tell me a story? Please. Tell Bashanta, okay. If that makes you happy, no problem. Tell me a story. And the Bashemta begins a story. Way back when in Poland, in, I can't remember if it's Krakow or Warsaw, there were two friends. Two friends growing up. Two friends that grew up together. Two friends continued after their education to be t- work together, formed a partnership in business, purchased houses next door to one another. They were inseparable friends. The man's listening as Vashemtiv spins the tale. Well, 
says the Vashantov. They became very successful, very, very wealthy, both of them, as partners. One day they decided to expand their ventures, to expand their investments. They decided they're going to open a new branch in France. No. Very entrepreneurial. Can't just sit and be complacent. You gotta keep moving, and they were businessmen. So they're gonna open together in France. And then once they open there, and they're established, one of them will stay there. One of them will move to France, and that will be his portion of the business, and the other one would move back to Poland. The plan was beautiful. And the business was established. The business in France got on its feet. And it was time to move on. So one of the partners, as agreed upon, went back to Poland, and the other stayed on to work in France. Now, as we said before, they were best friends, and they kept it that way. They wrote to each other correspondence. Obviously, the text situation was pretty bad then. WhatsApp wasn't uh, wasn't done yet, wasn't ready yet. And they kept in contact. This went on for a good couple of months, that they were very, very close, they remained close, they remained in contact with one another. Unfortunately, this one got involved in his business, this one in his business, and the correspondence ended up being a Shanatova card. Not even with music. They'd wish each other a good year, once a year. Bayim, day comes, and our friend in Poland falls on bad times. Such bad times did he fall, that his business faltered. His business folded. And he went deep into debt. No. No, Stutman. He's alone. He's got nothing. He decides he's going to take his last few cupcakes. He's going to travel to France. And hopefully... His friend will take pity and give him a loan and put him back on his feet. And so off to France he goes. And he gets to France and he comes to his friend's house. And the Baruch Hashem, the reunion, 
as if they were yesterday sitting and hanging out for the last 60 years. There was no absence, no void, no uncomfort, no discomfort. They were good. And they're sitting in the fabrenging over a cup of tea. And finally the friend from Poland says, i got to get straight to the point. My matzav is very bad. I'm a balchev. I lost everything. I was wondering if you could loan me some money to try to get me back on my feet. A friend in France was shocked. Loan you money to put you back on your feet after you lost everything? After you're destitute and you have nothing to eat and you you literally spent your last dimes to come to see me and I'm going to loan you money? It's not possible. I can never do that. The friend was starting to get worried. Finally he says to him, let me do a calculation how much do I have? How much am I worth? I will split it down the middle and I will send you home to start life anew. And Chas what kind of loan? We're partners. We're brothers. So, the Frenchman the French friend divides his, tre- his riches, riches and he gives the half, 50%, to his friend, his partner, his brother, for years and years. No, the friend goes back and everything is beautiful, everything is working. Unfortunately, now the tide takes another turn. And this goes the other way. Our friend from France loses everything. As he loses everything, he says, He also didn't want to and also didn't want to think about it and didn't want to consider it. But he had no other options, no other choice. And he travels to Poland. As he arrives in Poland, he comes to the big mansion, the home of his friend. And his friend happened to be looking out the window. And he sees him coming and he says, Oh no, this does not look good. He does not look like he's in good shape. He's not even coming with a wagon. He's coming by foot. His business must have collapsed. (coughs) But I can't give him money now. I'm about to make the deal of my life. The deal that I've been working on for years. And I need to invest all the money I have into that. If I give him the money, I lose this whole deal. He tells the servants, go to the door. And the man comes to the door, tell him that I've, been, I've, I've gone away on business. 
I'll be back in a few weeks. And the man knocks on the door, and lo and behold, the servants come, and they tell him the message of their master, that the master has gone away for a few weeks. You can well imagine, my friends, how crushed this fellow was. He should not put his faith in man's hands, but unfortunately, that's pretty much where he's standing. And he's in trouble. And there's nowhere to go. He has no money for an inn. No money to stay anywhere. He just sat down in front of the gate of the house, sat crying. And he cried and he cried and he died. Just a cold night, whatever it was. He passed away. The next morning when people came out, they found this dead man lying there, Nebuch. And Shalom. And the continues his story. The man passes away, and the Neshama comes to Milo to Bezdin Shemayla. And the holy tribunal, and heavenly tribunal, looks at this man's record, how he saved his friend's life, and they say, okay, you're going straight to Gan Eden. Straight to heaven, to the best and the highest place. But he asks a question before going off. And he says, tell me please, where is my friend going to be? My best friend that I've grew up with all my life, where is he going? And they said, in Elam Ha'emes, they told him the story. The truth, my friend, your friend deserted you. And it's because of your friend that you died of hunger and frost. And therefore, unfortunately, he's going to have to go to purgatory. Says the Nishama, no, I will not. I will not go into Ganadin on his misfortune. I will there's something has to happen there has there must be a way to help him out and Bezin Shemayla tells him we'll tell you the truth you go back down and he goes back down when he passes away and we'll let him fix it He'll become a very wealthy man. And you will remain a pauper. And you will have to go and 
live off him on a constant basis. When he pays you back the money he gave you, then you will both go to Gan Eden. No. <laughs> I agree. The Shama agrees. Anything to help out his friend. And the Bashamta continues telling the story. The two Nishamas came back down to the world and one became very wealthy and one became a pauper. And the pauper would come to the door of the rich man every day asking for alms. Asking for money for food. Asking for money to live. And every day the man would give him a few cupcakes and give him enough to tide him over till the next day. And it was getting a little bit monotonous, it was getting a little bit annoying. But, listen, I have money, he never doesn't. I'll help him out. One day, Roshemta says, the poor man must have been very hungry, or very cold, or very tired, And he came to the door and he knocked on the door a little harder than usual. The rich man had a bad cup of coffee that morning and he was agitated of a gutnaven. So this poor man, the nudnik, that comes every day to his door, unfortunately for him, knocked a little too hard on the wrong day. And it upset, it rocked his boat. It upset him. And water. He opened the door, the rich man opened the door, and took his cane, and hit the poor man over the head and said, Get out of here, Michigan. What are you knocking like this? Unfortunately, the poor man was in a very weakened state. The rich man must have hit a lot harder than he thought he would. And he killed him. Now, the rich man doesn't need anyone to know that he just killed somebody. <clears throat> so he immediately took the body. They took him to one of his... On his estate, he had a lot of land. And he buried him. So now, the rich man again killed the guy and did not pay him back what he owed him. At this point, the Bashamta picked up his eyes and sees this rich man sitting in front of him, trembling, shaking like a leaf, crying and begging and pleading. It says, Rebbe, this was me. I am the rich man. And I just ruined my second opportunity to redeem myself. And I ruined it. I'm destroyed. There's no hope for me ever. 
And Vashem told him, this is why, my child, you ended up coming to me. Your tshuva is not a simple one. You will need to give away everything you have, relinquish everything, and develop and devote the rest of your days going around from town to town helping people. And this is the only teshuva, the only repentance that you can manage. So we see the concept of reincarnation, the concept of what the Teda is telling us on each and every one of these mitzvahs, whether it be the ox that killed another ox, whether it be the ox that gored and killed a person, whether it be the person that stole and turned, sold into a slave, whether it be the donkey under the heavy weight that needs to be unburdened, etc., etc., all the other mitzvahs mentioned in our parsha. These are all commandments of God that a person needs to live and relive. If the person kills somebody by accident, again a story of which the person kills somebody by accident because that other person had once killed somebody on purpose but was not seen, was not warned, was not witnessed and therefore went free. And now this other person who once killed somebody accidentally ends up killing this person in public accidentally and therefore he has to go to the Ari Mikla, to the city of refuge and the other person goes to the cemetery. Sorry, that line didn't work. I didn't know where to put the other one. <laughs> the other location. The Dalit Parshias, as we spoke before, the four Parshias that we read in the month of Other. The Dalit Parshias are a time of tshuva, of repentance. A person needs to recognize what they are lacking, what their shortcomings are. Pasik says, Nichbasadarchenu Venachere Venashuva. We should do soul searching in our ways we should dig deep and we should repent this starts off with Pasha Shkolem Shkolem is a person gives a machzis shekel, a half a shekel they may not give more if they are wealthy and less if they are poor, a half a shekel exactly half represents another half in order to make it a whole. And therefore, the Tate is telling us, you, my friend, my fellow Jew, are only a half. And the only way you can become a whole is when you are joined with your fellow Jew, when you are one together with him. After this we read Pasha's Zohar, the second of the four Pashas, which is before the day of Purim. Pasha Zohar reminds us of the eradication of Amalek. 
which is the concept of Chassidus tells us, Sur Meira, turning away from the evil. And then we read the Megillah, which is the Bechinus of Taiv, to accept the yoke of Teda. As we know that in the Megillah, in the Megillah it tells us, Kimu v'kiblu ha-Yehudim the Jews accepted and now did and were able to complete the complete acceptance of the Teda that was accepted on Har Sinai was now done completely by the time of Haman and Mordechai and Esther. Obviously, the major difference is that by the time of Matan Teda was Kofalim Harkigigis, that the mountain was hovering over their heads, and therefore they were in a turmoil with that, and had to say Nasev and Ishma out of fear, but also because, as we said before, the ultimate revelation that God reveals Himself to them, in that revelation they felt the desire to connect. Unfortunately, today we don't have that revelation. And in this time of Marachai and Esther, with Achashvedish's oppression and Haman's oppression, and all said and done, the Jews accepted the Teda and the yoke of heaven, therefore they are now accepting the proper acceptance. Another difference they had was when they had just, by Matan Teda, they were only 49 days, 7 weeks of leaving Egypt. In Egypt they were deep, deep, deep in Tumah. They were in the 49th level of Tumah. Only one worse level can they get that would ultimately push them over the, under the top, under the bottom, not over the top. And in seven short weeks, they did a lot. They came very far, yes. Did they become vessels for Teda? Did they become vessels to understand godliness? No. They were lacking very much till then. But now, in the time of Marachai and Esther, they were complete, they were polished, and they were ready. And therefore, the Megillah is Asay Taif, where we accept the El Malchus Shemayim. But we still need to purify ourselves, because we still had our sins before this, that we need to purify ourselves from. And therefore, we have Pashas Parah. Pashas Parah talks about the Paraduma, the blood of the Paraduma that is sprayed, that makes the impure pure. And this leads into HaChedish. Chedish Lashen Chodosh, the beginning of Eschatshus, of renewing, to begin a new life, to begin a new day. And after it says in Pashas Parah, V'zarakti Aleichem Ayim Tehidim, V'teharten. Now throw the pure waters and they will become tired. And at that point, when the Sati Lachem lave Kodosh, I've given them a new heart. And therefore, these two Pashas, Parah and Hachedish, are inseparable. Zachar and Shkolim can have a blank, it can have an empty Shabbos in between. As this year, where Shkolim is Erev Rishchedish, Shabbos Mevarchim. Next Shabbos is nothing, and the following Shabbos will be Zachar, the Shabbos before Purim. However, Parah and Chedesh need to be one after the other. 
Para is the Shabbos before Chedesh, whenever Chedesh would be. Because Chedesh too does not have the set date to it. Chedesh could be either Erevish Chedesh, it could be Shabbos of Varchema Chedesh Nissen or Shabbos of Chedesh Nissen. We'll talk about it later. The Sefer tells the Jacob Yosef, very, very holy Talmud of the Ariya Kodesh. No? Yaakov Yosef Bologna? Is it Talmud Hashem? No, it's Talmud Hashem? Yeah. It's Talmud Hashem. He writes in the Pashat Kisisa. We see the reason the Mishnah, Masech the Shkolem says, on the first day of Adar, we start to talk about the Shkolem. And Mepharshim write, this was a direct contrast to Haman. Haman said, There is a nation that is separate, they are spread out. There is a period amongst them. There is a lack of unity amongst the Jewish nation, and that's when they are vulnerable. And when Esther Malka heard this, she immediately commanded, Leich Yehudim, gather all the Jews together because they need to unite. Because only when we are united, when we are united, we cannot be penetrated, we cannot fall, And therefore the Torah commands to give them shekel every year as kefil and nefesh. Because the truth is we're still not cleaned up the sins. Until the Yawanavi comes. And on the Yawanavi comes, the Navi says, At that point, it's in the Skinam that destroyed the Holy Temple. For you keeping score at home, Sechtas Yuma, Tesam Ralef, Ahmed Beis. Until the Yawanavi will be sent, Shishtach the Yawanavi, the Sakinze. And therefore, in the entire time that we are still in Golis, from Eshkedish Adar, before reading of Megillah, we need to awaken, to fix, to rectify all that has happened, like Esther had done in her time. Another Sefer, Sefer called Yismach Yisrael, writes the hint of the hint of Maksa Shekel, as we said till now teaches us that we are not a full entity. As we said before, the Rebbe explains, we are not a full entity and we need the other Jew to make us an entity. And this is therefore, they both need to be one to be, make it complete. And this is hinted in Lachsa Shekel that each and every Jew has to bring from his scale of his part, his half. And we need to work in full force to join, to become one, to unite with our fellow Jews. And we keep in score at home, Zechus Megillah, Yid Gimelom at Beis, 13 side 2. Amar Ravalekar, Yad Alishna Bisha, Kehaman, Sha'amar, you know anything is of any kind of verse? Muhammad said, "Yesh Echad is one nation, 
But then the first and the first said before. And the only power that the Jews have is the fact that they, the fact that they are actors. They are joined together. They are one. Mishenichnas other marben besimcha we know, and therefore it doesn't just mean only on Eshkedish other we have to be happy. But Mishenichnas other marben besimcha refers to refers to the entire month. Not only the entire month, but until we don't hear differently, as we said many times. And therefore, Mishanichnas Adamar Besimcha, each and every day of other, we need to continue to thrive and to build and to grow and to make sure that our Simcha gets higher, higher, and reaches to a better level and to a stronger level. Um, many people have a custom to hang up on the wall of the house a sign, a Mishnichnas other sign. The mother's house, we always had one. And then we'll talk about later about Tess, other, etc. Tess, other, Zion, other, all the other different dates. The different customs of reading the Megillah, what dates, days earlier or later. Um, we said this Shabbos, Shabbos, and Varchim, Achedish. Achedish is Sunday and Monday. The Megillah will be on Sunday morning, Mertz Hashem. And as we said before, the Haftarah that we'll be reading, we'll be taking out two Sefer Tera this Shabbos. The Sefer Tera for the Pasha Mishpatim, the Sefer Tera for Pasha Shkolim. And Laftera will be Pasha Shkolim. <coughs> and we'll also add Laftera for Machar Chedish, two Psukim from the beginning and the end. And we should be Zechataka, that we should be merit to the Simcha Hamitas Vashtema, the Simcha of Mishinichna's other, or the Simcha of Mashiach Tikkenu. And we should all spend this Shabbos in Yerushalayim, Irak Chedish, and see the Reina Mereshenu, Shabbat Shalom. Too old.